All right, I got it. All right, welcome to this episode of Dad Bod History. Oh, you're not recording? No, we've been recording. We've been. Oh. I just said, here we go. <laughs> All, right. All right, welcome to this episode of Dad Bod History. We are doing our movie wars, episode six, The Return of the Bracket. And we got a special guest tonight, Randy Downing, who is in one of our. I think, Randy, did you do one or two of our drafts? Um, I did three. I've done three. Actually. Yeah. Mm, yes. You did the 90s, 2000s, and the 2010s? I did. I did. Yes. Awesome. Most fun I had in 2021, actually. Three times. Well, let's, let's hopefully this will be a highlight of 2022. Uh, so we've got the, the regular panel. Jeff is our esteemed moderator who will be asking us our questions. And uh, we've got me, Eric, Cameron, and then Randy. So, Jeff, I got a question for you. Uh, because normally we have three questions and three points per question. Now that we have Randy as a fourth, what's uh, what's the point breakdown? Do we have a solution for this? Well, I, I thought about it. Um, three questions is twelve. I mean, I guess first uh, first entry to seven. Can I make a suggestion? Of course, of course. So I was listening to our episode, episode five, Cinema Strikes Back, and a couple times. Jeff said uh, a response earned, you know, double points in his book. So as Jeff is the scorekeeper, if one of us gives a particularly eloquent, loquacious response, and <laughs> I suppose Jeff could award that two points, and that may help uh, from time to time. Get us, to get us over the hump to seven. You know, one of those I, ones I, where I will wield this power with all the respect and reverence that it deserves. It might not happen, but... But but I appreciate that that option is out the there. The power that well, you've just well, arbitrarily been handed by Eric. It's just be our Ed Hockley. <laughs> yeah. First down with the muscles. I like so. it. All right. So first to seven out of 12 possible points, first to seven. Uh, there is a possibility for double points based on the answer's loquaciousness, according to Eric. Yeah. Uh, I think it's loquatitude. Got, I don't know what the word is. <laughs> We'll figure that out in post. Uh, so with that, let's get rolling. We've got our last two brackets. Um, seeing who's going to make it into the Sweet 16 Candles. Uh, take it away, Jeff. All right. Our last two brackets are Stanley Kubrick region and the Ridley Scott region. We're going to start out with the Stanley Kubrick region. Our one seed and our two seed that we'll get to later are Rain Man and the Shawshank Redemption, respectively. Our first matchup is The Lion King. Just to be clear, this is the animated version, not the live action money grab that came later. And um, probably one of Christopher Nolan's least popular films that he did in The Prestige. A good movie. Kind of a glimpse of things to come from Christopher Nolan, but um, not something that he's known for. I would say, um, Randy, you're the you're 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 the new guy here, so we're going to start with you. Lion King or the Prestige? And I actually, prep the rest of the group uh, with uh, some video on this earlier, but I think you I think you're ready to go. Which is better subject matter for men on films? 
better subject matter for men on films. Yeah, this is uh, early <laughs> okay. '90s All right. sketch comedy. Did he uh, get the the notice that that was? No, he didn't. But I know he's in Living it. Color. I, I know you've seen with, uh, Men on Films on Living Color. Yes, right? yes, yes. Okay, now now I'm. Now it's ringing a bell. Yes. Um, okay. So so anyhow, yeah, you're familiar with their shtick, what they do. Uh, the Lion King or The Prestige, wh- which is better to, <laughs> to build a, a men on films sketch around? You know, originally, you know, my simpleton brain went straight to uh, Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman as the, uh, the tipping scale. But I'm going to go back and think that there's a lot of comedy uh, through just watching those guys uh, spoof the the cartoon that is the Lion King, I, I think that uh, there's a lot to work with there. Whether it's uh, just uh, Rafiki and a dancing monkey, uh, you know the just 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 everything the the the, the pageantry of the Hakuna Matata. Um, I, I you're, you're right. I think one or both of them would probably be dressed up with full-on African woman head garb. Yeah. So so I'm going to go Lion King. Two snaps on the Savannah. All right, Lion King <laughs> comes out swinging from that one. See, Family I did my Raymond. movie homework. I didn't do my uh, men on film homework. So it was, more of, a, it was more of a pop this. quiz that Jeff threw at us about 20 minutes ago. So Yeah, wow. and I was pretty sure you knew what men on films was. The S on the end is important, men on films. <laughs> with a list anyhow cameron what do you got the pre- uh, prestige of lion king for so, men on films yeah i i'm with randy in that i i initially went to you know the the two men kind of counterpart parts on the prestige um and i think that men on film could do a lot with the 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 two different uh personalities i mean they're they're definitely way different one guy's kind of a, a blue collar guy one's more of a showman and a pretty boy i think they could really really play that up so i'm i'm going uh prestige going prestige all right eric hoffman what do you think which one's better fodder for men on films they might be able to kind of pick apart and nuance the uh the particulars of the prestige, but I think they're really going to enjoy the characters of uh, Timon and Pumbaa um, and their Ooh, special relationship. So <laughs> I think they're going to like the Lion King. I, I had not thought of Timon and Pumbaa. That good is a call. fantastic angle. There's clearly some connections there. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, what do you think? Lion King or prestige? This is an interesting question because you watch The Prestige and Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman are clearly in love with each other. It's just all these women keep getting in their way. And that's really the problem source for the movie. But uh, what else you got there? You got, well, the name of one of the actors, Hugh Jackman. I mean, that's just begging to be used in uh, in that skit. Uh, Got David Bowie. Uh, as Tesla, so that plays. But only one of them had Elton John contribute to the soundtrack, and that's the Lion King. You gotta go Lion King here. Yeah, Christopher wow. Nolan really missed that opportunity. To yeah, Hans Elton Zimmer, come on. 
Stop you stop using Hans Zimmer for everything, Chris. All right, so that gets us three to one, Lion King over the prestige. Cameron Lehman, we're gonna start with you on the next question here. Lion King or the prestige? Which is better to have on behind the bar at a busy night at your favorite bar? So we've all been to that bar where there's a movie going on, it's up in the corner, you can't hear it, it's way too loud in there. There's probably music going. Everybody's drinking and talking really loud, but the movie's on, you know, whether it's a James Bond movie, whatever it is, which one of these two movies, it's your shift, Cameron, you're the head bartender. It's Friday night. You have control of the DVD player. What are you putting in? You're putting in Lion King or the prestige. You, you really teed that up for us, Jeff. That was, well, I got to set great. the stage. I got to, I got to really lay out the mood. So when, when I'm at the bar, I want to be able to concentrate on why did I go to the bar? I didn't go to watch a movie. I didn't. Hold on. He said it's your shift. I think I did. Yeah. You're the head bartender, but I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be, but as a bartender, he needs to understand his patrons. You're right, Jake. You're right. Thinking about his clientele. Okay. He's just being a good bartender. Exactly. I'm, I want everybody to feel comfortable, but I know not everybody's going to sit down and park themselves in front of the TV. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, Jeff, uh, where's the parliamentarian? The is, is this the gay bar from episode four that we were talking about? Or are we moving on? It's not. Late? No, it's a, it's definitely it's a it's a straight bar. It's actually it's in uh, it's on Broadway in Denver. Just to be okay. really clear, it's in Denver, Colorado. Not that, that matters. I just well, I just for context. I'm no, it's it's, no, it's, it's a multi gendered. That crowd. changes the plenty answer. Plenty of women, plenty of men, everything in between. Thank you for that, Randy. That was uh that was key. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody's going to have a good time. Everybody knows the Lion King. It's in the background. You're going to be able to enjoy yourself. And, you know, maybe the bar gets a little bit quiet when, uh, Mufasa gets run over, you know, you say, ah, man, take a moment and then get back to your conversation. Um, the prestige requires more attention. Lion King it is. All right. Lion King. Um, Eric, in an effort to give you a shot at contrarianism, we're going to go with Jacob next. Jake, which (laughs) one's better? (laughs) Which one's better behind the bar on a busy night? Lion King or the Prestige? This question gave me, I'm not going to call them the flashbacks. It gave me some fond memories. Came rustling back to the front of my cerebral cortex. Because I've been in those busy bars on Scottsdale uh, on a Friday or Saturday night. And you are... If you're not three sheets to the wind, you're at least two sheets and they'll have the TVs up and those TVs become an anchor for your reality for the next hour or two. And you want something that you can latch on to. Oh, that's true. And hold for dear life. And the prestige is too confusing, especially if you can't hear the sound because you're not going to understand why Christian Bale and Hugh Jackman are so angry. But the Lion King, everyone knows it. It brings you the safety of your childhood right back to you. And uh, yeah, you got to have the Lion King on the TV uh, for Friday night. All right, Eric, Lion King's running away with it. What do you got for us here? So that's really what Jake said. Again, brought some memories rushing to the front of my face. Um, Yeah, having the TV on when you're kind of in that situation, when you've kind of broken with your your judgment ability. St. Patrick's Day, probably 2000, yeah. 2011, 
because uh, I know my wife was six months pregnant and uh, we almost lost you that day. <laughs> yeah, I came close. I uh, <laughs> yeah. collapsed in Rulabula and then um, yeah. went up to a hotel room and uh, turned on a movie and they turned on Tangled. <laughs> and that was what kind of kept me tethered. Um so I like what you mentioned there, Jake, because that, that makes that, a lot of sense. Well, and that was part of my answer was thinking about that day. <laughs> we had had a good day. It was a real good day because it was only like 2 or 3 p.m. at this point. Yeah. And we had that Washington apple. Whew. Josh and I drink it, turn, and all of a sudden we hear. <laughs> I lost my camera. Perfect effect. Yeah. <laughs> so and we look exactly on the floor. <laughs> we look on the floor, and there's Eric. We pick him up and escort him out like a couple of ninjas stealing a Ming vase because we didn't want to get in trouble. <laughs> Took him right up to that hotel. So, so yeah. you know, it, it's funny. And then Cameron also helped me with uh, you know, if I'm at the bar, um, having the prestige on is is fine. It's just background. You look up every once in a while to see who Hugh Jackman or Christian Bale. But personally, I'm something of an agent of chaos, and I'd like to shake things up once in a while. So having the Lion King on seems a bit off. I'd love to have that playing in a bar and people to be kind of surprised by it. And also, you know, when Mufasa dies, you know, hear, hear to the king and have everyone raise their glasses and, you know, make it something of an event. Um, I'm going to go Lion King. Nice. Lion King, Randy, the last one on this question. What do you think here? I, I got to echo the uh, the panel's comments about uh, Maloney's in uh, Scottsdale, famous for the clips in between, you know, drinking and whatnot. There, there, there's one I remember where uh, the scene from Cliffhanger, where uh, Sylvester Stallone's <laughs> holding the uh, the climber, and all of a sudden the let's go and the climber falls, and right at that point they start playing Free Falling by Tom Petty. And I'm free. Oh. Which is just classic. So, if if we were go, if I can change it up to where we would do clips, I you think can. that whole scene with the, well, if I could, uh, the ah uh, uh, that that would be the good ending. But um, like Eric said, I can't. So I, I'm going to go prestige, and this is why people like the Lion King. People know the Lion King. I think it would be better for kind of a, a conversation starter to put the prestige on because I think half the bar would go, what is that? What is this movie? I didn't know that Christian Bale was in this. Hey, look, it's the whole cast from Batman by the director from The Dark Knight <laughs> six years before The Dark Knight happened. So and, and you get into conversations about Chris Nolan's uh directorial stylings and repeat casting throughout his career. So I'm going to go prestige. Right. Wow. I came back. I thought prestige we were going things uh, on Lion King there. Okay. That was close. So that, uh, that gets us to another question here. Mm. <clears throat> Eric Hoffman, let's start with you. Lion King or the prestige, which would make the better foundation for a drinking uh-huh. game? Hmm. Just to set this up for anybody who doesn't know, maybe in the New Heart show, way back when, anytime somebody said, hey, Bob, you got to do a shot. We're looking for some sort of similar 
so thematic drinking with, uh, game setup here with the Lion King. It would probably be far too predictable, simply because more people have seen the Lion King. It's there's not a lot of particulars in the dialogue that I mean. You, Hakuna Matata, you could go with that and have people dying of alcohol poisoning by the end of the episode or the movie. <laughs> but um, I, I think there could be a really good drinking game, knowing that people probably have not seen the prestige a, a great number of times or at all. Uh, but, you know, it'd be one of those, you know, lists like in I know Game of Thrones had one of the, uh, those every time something happens. Uh, I think the prestige would make for an interesting drinking game. All right. Prestige. Randy, what do you think? Better drinking game foundation, Lion King or the prestige? I've got to go. I've got to go with the Lion King here. I just think that there's too much you could do. uh, You know, every time uh, you hear a musical number, every time, uh, you know, Matthew Broderick, every time you hear don't worry, or there's there's just too much there. So quick answer. It's got to be Lion King. All right. Um, According to my math, that puts Lion King over the top. Jake or Cameron, you guys didn't get a chance to chime in there. Anything in your head that's burning to get out before we move on to our next matchup here? Uh, I was doing a little thinking, and I think the the only thing that could save the prestige is you have to drink every time they say the word prestige in the prestige. Because they do say it quite a bit. But that's that's it. I, I think otherwise I would rather drink to the Lion King than drink to the prestige. Yeah, prestige is a little much to get tanked to. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to just be sad if I drink to the prestige. It's just going to push me over the edge and I'll be. Yeah, it's a good point. Sad for a week afterward. End up on the floor with Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Were all those drinking questions? Uh, No, we had men on film. Mm. Yeah. Men on films, rather. Okay, so Eric has filled in the Lion King. The Lion King wins the matchup of four and five, which brings us to a couple of heavy hitters here at three and six. Our three seed in the Stanley Kubrick region is Stand By Me, a classic based on a Stephen King novella, The Body, and Jurassic Park, the movie that brought CGI to the forefront, really changed the way movies are made. Jake, we're going to start with you on this one. Mm-hmm. Stand by Me or Jurassic Park? Which could you best rewrite as a Christmas movie? And what would be your angle? Wow. So the, the, the original doesn't exist. Nobody has seen Stand by Me. Nobody's seen Jurassic Park. So you don't have to alter an okay. existing masterpiece. But the studio okay, said, I- you know what? We, we, we've got... We need something for the Christmas time slot. We need you to take one of these two uh, movies. Uh, the two kids are who? In the, the, Jurassic Park? Yeah, they're are they they're not um they're 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 Hammond's grandkids. They're Hammond's grandkids. Okay. So it's Christmas. Hammond, you know, invites the same, it's basically die hard, but Jurassic Park. So you've got the same premise where 
you've got the the they're getting invited to the park hammond wants to have christmas at the park show off all these new exhibits these dinosaurs obviously invite sam neil and um jeff goldblum i can't remember the the ellie's the doctor's name or her um character's name laura Dern um, was the actress laura Dern. yep uh Samuel L. Jackson is dressed up as Santa, but before he has to go off and get the power back on, and uh, it basically becomes Die Hard, but on Isla Nubar, and uh, I think it would really work that way. So, and then the, the people would debate: Well, is it a Christmas movie? Is it a dinosaur movie? No, it's 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 a Sam Neill movie or whatever you want to call it. But I think that's the best way to go with this. All right, good. Eric has something going on in his head. He's giggling himself silly over there. Eric, what do you got? You've got to rewrite one of these I as a Christmas movie. wanted to jump in with Stand By Me and just say the body that they're looking at is Santa. But Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, I think Jurassic Park lends itself to this. But, uh, again, Hammond here is Santa. And uh, it's not dinosaurs. It's the fact that elves have died out. And so he's cloned them, brought them back to his new North Pole on Isla Nublar. But, uh, mm. you know, it's these elves running around trying to build toys. But, you know, life finds a way. And the yeah, elves they're all get girl out. Elves. They're all girl <laughs> elves. One of them change. They get out well. and uh, they start eating people. Oh so. It's got a little bit of gremlins in it. Like yeah. they all, they don't, everything seems nice and cute until don't feed them after midnight. Until, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Someone gets a candy cane at 1215. So I think Jurassic park, you know, you could, you could take that angle. I, I can't other than finding Santa at the end of stand by me, I can't find the Christmas angle there. So it's Jurassic park. All right. Randy Downing. What do you think? Which one of these could you effectively turn into a Christmas movie? I, I tell you what, Eric, honestly was was on to my idea i think stand by me would be the perfect uh journey to the north pole um i did consider santa's missing and they're trying to find him now i don't think that the uh the gpg rating is going to happen if they find santa's dead body i don't think that's going to sell so um but I, I can envision like the journey through like when they get caught with the leeches. Uh, if you've seen that scene from Elf where the Norwalk comes out, they kind of go through this cartoon area right outside hey, the North Pole and they get, you know, leeches all over them in the in the magical candy cane canoe. I mean, there's some there's some stuff to work with there. So I'm going to go stand by me. So it's I, interesting. I, I, I like the heart of darkness apocalypse now angle. Just the further you get into the jungle to, to Santa's rotting corpse, the more the more Christmas fun you have. And, and the whole thing is kind of narrated at the end as one of the guys at the adult is, is how he saved Christmas magic. And there's there's a lot there. So I like All it. Right. Cameron, you've heard uh, you've heard three good takes on this. What do you got? Yeah, I'm I'm trying to mix in a home alone take meets stand by me and you know when we're talking about a journey um mom is journeying back to chicago to see her son goes meets uh john candy and the buddies and she has you know all these stories to get back to the son so rather than giving it looking at it through kevin's eyes you're looking at it through mom's eyes through a journey to you know go back to the north pole to see you know, 
the the Santa. I, I'm a little bit worried. You're right about the death, and you know there's some ugly ugly parts in there that could go sideways. But I I would like to concentrate on the journey part of it. Um, and I, and I like your rewrite could be when they find the body, it's not as dead as you had originally thought. Maybe there's a Christmas miracle. Maybe, maybe they saved Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so stand dead. by me. Is Stand By Me the prequel to Home Alone? Did I miss something here? I yeah. thought this was a two-way competition. It's a three-way. Yeah, Mr. McAllister found a bunch of cash with the body, which is how he yeah. afforded the house. Yeah, that's, that's how he got the nice he, house in Chicago. Right. That's it's funny because uh, either Randy or Cameron's, you've got a menacing Kiefer Sutherland stalking these kids all the way to the North Pole, and I love it. He's like your Krampus. He's, you don't want to mess with that. So I, I think it's the ghost of Christmas past. He's bad news. <laughs> All right, you got to be uh, careful with it. We're 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 at a we're at a stalemate here. We got a tie. Stand by me, two Jurassic Park, two. Randy, we're going to start with you on this one. You're going through Walmart, and we've all been there. There's the bin of DVDs. They're all deeply discounted. They're all in there for a dollar. Both of these are in there. Which one of these would you buy in the one dollar DVD bin, but never actually watch? It's an impulse buy. You never end up watching it. Which which movie does that to you? Oh, you know, I think for me, that's going to be Jurassic Park. Because to be honest, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of that movie. Um, I saw it. It was amazing the first time I saw it. I don't think I've ever watched it again. I don't think I've ever had a desire to watch it again. But if I saw that in a bin, I would think, that movie's amazing. It was one of a kind. I've got to get this movie. I would grab the movie. I would take it home and I would never really want to watch it because I just, and not that it wasn't fantastic, amazing movie. Just, I've never had the, I got to watch that movie 50 times. That's why you bought it. That's why you did the impulse buy. I love this movie. Yeah. A dollar. I'll take it. It's a classic. And yeah, it's in the wrapping. It's collecting dust. Eric, what do you think? Which one of these uh, movies do you buy in the dollar bin <clears throat> and never actually watch I think I'm going to go stand by me because I can't find a circumstance where I would sit down and watch that again. Um, but Jurassic Park, I'll watch it again. I've got kids coming up. We're going to watch it. So it's going to be stand by me. That's interesting. Stand by me was your pick and the draft it got picked in. So yeah. uh, Jacob mm-hmm. Brines, which one of these movies are you going to buy for a dollar impulse buy and never watch again? Uh, it's, it's stand by me. I think with that kind of movie, I have to be in a specific frame of mind to watch that movie. And let's be honest. It's a lot of hassle these days, putting a movie into a DVD player, as opposed to just streaming anything ever made. Um, on your Netflix service or whatever it is. So I, I think stand by me would have to be that one. Like I would buy it because it's a classic and it's an all time teen coming of age type movie, but I would never be like, you know what? I really want to watch stand by me today. Whereas Jurassic park, I would watch that on a loop. Cause it's, it's just that good of a movie. All right. Stand by me is never getting watched. Cameron, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with Jake. I think people, like the idea of stand by me you know it's one of those movies that oh yeah i saw that and when i sat down and watched it it was really good but it's 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 
not a movie that stands out in in my memory necessarily. So Jurassic Park is wildly entertaining. You can put put it in at any time. I think it um, stands the test of time. I think ten years from now, Jurassic Park is going to be cool. Um, Stand by Me is the one that would stay in the wrapper. All right, and that wrapper is not easy to get off. Yeah, it's a whole thing, it's a whole process. And then the, the little sticky thing that you have to pull yeah. off once you get it out yeah. of the wrapper. God, that's terrible. Yeah. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. All right, bringing back flashbacks. This is awful. <laughs> We're going to a third question on this. We're starting with you, Cameron Lehman. Stand by me or Jurassic Park? Which one makes for the better Snoop Dogg rap? <laughs> um, Snoop likes on location. He likes, um, you know, beach scenes, jungle scenes. He's, he's all over the place with his, with his, um, videos as he gets later in his career back in the day, it was standing there in the hood in long beach and, you know, with his homies, as he got older, he was, you know, in, in these destination type places, what better to be rapping over a sick beat with a tyrann- tyrannosaurus oh. over your shoulder. Jurassic I was going to say backwater Maine. Jurassic Park. Uh, Jake mm-hmm. Rines, what do you think? Which is better for a Snoop Dogg rap? Stand by me, Jurassic Park. Uh, Jurassic Park. He would change his name to Snoop Rex for this particular song. <laughs> and uh, yeah, on location, Isla Nubar got raptors and t-rexes fighting you've definitely got some sort of cadillac bouncing i don't know why it's there but it's there it's been the jeeps have been replaced on the track it's it's now you got the cadillacs um but definitely definitely snoop dogg would would be on jurassic park all right we are nutted up at five randy downing what do you think which one's better for a snoop dogg song you know um Rap music is big on sampling. And when I think of Stand By Me, I think of the song. So I, I, I think mm-hmm. that he's going to sample Stand By Me. It'll be, you know, stizzle, bizzle, mizzle uh, as, uh, a at some point. <laughs> and uh, he'll have that do, 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 and, and he'll, he'll rap over that and it'll be a classic. So I got to go Stand By Me. All right, Eric. I'm to the wire. It's all down to you. What do you got? Which is better for a Snoop Dogg rap? Stand you know, by I was, me. The- uh, Jake and Cameron had me with the beach and the jungle. I was kind of going to be contrarian and say, oh, yeah, you know, he'd love to be in Bangor, Maine, doing a rap video. Um, <clears throat> but Randy mentioned the song Stand By Me. Uh, that film is filled with music, like good classic music. And at this point in his career, I think he would want to tap into those things i'm going stand by me all right wow stand by me pulls it out beats jurassic park which oddly enough one of the questions um was the worst movie or the one that we weren't ever going to watch again was getting the points but hey that's the way it goes so um that just shows the integrity of the committee And it was the higher seated uh, participant there. The three beat the six. 
All right. Well, it has weird. to do categories too. Stand by me was coming of age. Jurassic Park was action, right? So mm-hmm. they were more action allowed and taken in the drafts. Uh, the coming of age were, I think you were, everyone was limited to one. So, right. Got a little elevated there. That's true. Yeah. All right. Um, we're going to slip over to the Ridley Scott region for our next couple matchups. Ridley Scott regions number <clears throat> one and two seeds, respectively, are The Departed and Pulp Fiction. Our first matchup is an Eric Hoffman classic, V for Vendetta, up against a comedy classic, Tommy Boy. This is another odd matchup. Uh, it's going to come down to the questions and we'll see what happens. Jake, we're going to start with you on this one. All right. Me for Vendetta or Tommy Boy? Which is more romantic? Hmm. You know, I I think the relationship between Tommy and Richard really comes into fruition by the end of the movie. And I think it's a really beautiful love story between these two guys. Uh, so I, I got to go Tommy boy. I know Tommy like, and eventually ends up with that lady, but I, I don't even remember her name. It's all about Tommy and Richard. And it really it is. Be. Yeah. It's, yeah. All right. Good answer. Cameron, what do you think? Which one's more romantic V for vendetta or Tommy boy? Tommy boy is a great movie. Don't get me wrong, but David Spade's sarcasm almost kills it for me in the beginning of the movie. Like he is such a jerk and I'm, I'm an enthusiastic guy. You know, I, I feed off of enthusiasm, off of encouragement. Tommy's doing the best. Yeah. He's an idiot, but you know, he just needs somebody to put his arm around him. What about the moment where they're singing a love song in Spanish as they're driving down the highway? But but that tear to your eye, the, the, the parts that you remember about Tommy boy are about the one liners from David Spade just teasing him and giving him a hard time. It's a beautiful movie. It's, it's great at the end, but it almost is ruined by David Spade's character in the beginning. So I I can't pick it. I I don't, I don't like that as the romance pick. I'm going to pick B for Vendetta. B for Vendetta. All right. Everybody gets a vote. Randy, what do you think? Which one's more romantic? Oh, Richard, don't hide your true feelings. Um, I think that Tommy Boy is a love story. Uh, It's a love story of uh, Bo Derek and Rob Lowe and their quest to find fortune and fame. I mean, they'll, they're, they're love. There's no boundary to each other. And, and, you know, twist at the end, she (laughs) ends up leaving him for Dan Aykroyd. He gets hit in the nuts by a, Test dummy. So, you know, that sometimes love does that to you. So that's, it's, it's easily Tommy boy. It does have love at its core. Eric Hoffman, what do you think? You know, I, what you I have think. strong feelings for V for Vendetta. So you know I what I think. This. Yeah. Um, so the story of V for Vendetta uh, revolves around actually several kind of a couple romantic situations one is a couple who are imprisoned kind of in the backstory and are the kind of uh the fuel that gives v uh the reason for doing what he's doing because he read all these notes between uh these two that were in love in prison 
And Natalie Portman's character is kind of falling in love with V, even though he is unable to, for whatever reason, kind of reciprocate her, her feelings. So it's not like romantic, romantic in that everyone's falling in love with each other, except if you're watching the film, you are falling in love with this idea that people should not fear their governments. Governments should fear their people. Pure romance. And that's where that I is, fell in love. So that is, is baby making music right there. there. It's me for Vendetta. Wow. Are you, are you okay? Did you hurt yourself on that one? That was a okay. lot of heavy lifting. Uh, you know, I, I, roll I, I pulled a few muscles, but I'm okay. I almost, yeah. From these, these, Nobody has ever gone on a first date and watched V for Vendetta. I would have a second date. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, Eric, just for the heck, we're going to start with you on this one. Just get this out of the way. V for Vendetta <laughs> or Tommy Boy, which would best hold the interest of a group of cowboy poets? I'd probably V for Vendetta. And why? Well, Tommy Boy, as great as it is, is also extremely irreverent. And V for Vendetta is giving you these ideas and waxing loquaciously about philosophy. Uh, that's something that I think might appeal to cowboy poets more. But... All right. Shocker. Eric goes V for Vendetta. Randy, what do you think? You know, I think it's it's got to be Tommy Boy. There's there's a couple things in that movie. One, there's cow tipping, which cowboys love mm. cow tipping. I mean, that's that's science. And uh, as as far as poetry. Um, I got nothing, but I'm going to go with Tommy Boy. <laughs> a cowboy poet is not to be imitated. So, yeah, don't, don't it's not easy to do, I'm guessing. But uh uh, all you have to do is pick Cameron. What do you think? Which, uh, which of these movies is going to best hold the interest of a group of old dusty cowboy poets sitting around the fire? Yeah. Watching I mean, the DVD old dusty cowboy poets, you know, they're, they've been on horseback. They've traveled a long journey and they, you know, they've got a job to do. They've got to get those cows from point A to point B and they appreciate the fact that Tommy is, is driving around trying to make these sales, trying to save his dad's business. And I think they can really latch on to Tommy Boy. You know, it's a, it's a rough life. You're traveling all over the place, but there's a, there's a beauty and there's a dignity in being a traveling salesman. Nice. And with a little bit of blues, just to tie it all together. Right. I like it. You're attaching the adjectives beauty and dignity to Tommy Boy. I just want to clarify and because of that, doing. you know, it's and honest work. That, Eric, it's not much, but it's honest work. Because of that, Eric, he's getting double points. That's our first. <laughs> oh, point. oh, oh, that, Chris Farley and that Dick feels Dick. personal. It, it's <laughs> hand in hand. Tommy, what wingy? <laughs> yeah, try not to write a poem about that. That'll bring the room to tears. All right, Jake, what do you it. think? So. It's interesting because this question, uh, V for Vendetta, I think is more poetic uh, on its surface. Uh, Hugo Weaving in particular as V is very poetic. Beneath this mask, there is an idea and ideas are bulletproof. That is beautiful, right? To say, um, 
But as a cowboy, and I think here's where I think you can give the nod to Tommy Boy, is a is a cowboy poet, I think would resonate with Tommy's trying to save his dad's factory. He's trying to save all these jobs. And he does go on this journey with Richard. And through that journey, if it's not romance, they definitely develop a camaraderie that they did not have before. Um, all to, to serve the people that they love and care about. And I think that's something, as Cameron is wont to say, and every man can appreciate. And I think that's the appeal of Tommy Boy, is that, you know, it's something that appeals to the everyman and a cowboy would fit that that motif. Whereas I think to also borrow a phrase from Cameron, V for Vendetta might be just a little bit too highfalutin for a cowboy poet. Highfalutin, Eric, you want to make note of that? I it duly noted. <laughs> All right. Um, due to a, an odd uh, point awarding situation. Tommy Boy is up six to three over V for Vendetta. Jake, we're going to start with you on this one. Oh, can we get a video replay on that? A point, extra point there. Yeah, Just you can take care of that. You can take care of that in post. Yeah, you can slow it down to get from different angles. Uh, Jake, Tommy Boy or V for Vendetta, which is probably better on LSD? Oh, V. Oh, <laughs> it's funny because feel like text ran earlier. I feel like <laughs> I feel well, and, like. and the question says which is better on LSD, <laughs> but from what I know about this group, I'm gonna go with which is probably better on LSD. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we haven't all watched both of these movies on D on LSD. So V for Vendetta would be an experience on LSD. I don't know if it would be a great experience, but it would be an experience. Uh, whereas Tommy Boy, LSD is the love drug, right? No. No, LSD opens up the universe. Psychedelic. Yeah. Okay. Along with uh, diphyl triathlamine and... I don't know of DMT, a love drug. Are you thinking of a date rape drug or where are we going? With <laughs> ecstasy. Ecstasy. Yeah. No, right. it's not ecstasy. Just hug? Everybody hugs. No. Yeah. This is acid. Sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're totally qualified to answer this question. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't like where this question is going. Yeah. We're, we're having a hard time getting started here. Jake, what do you think? I think V, I mean, that's what popped into my head. I think that would definitely be a far more surreal experience whether that that's better, I don't know, but it would definitely be more impactful. So I'm going to go V for Vendetta. All right. Eric Hoffman, why is V for Vendetta your pick? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> I think the uh, the machine elves that, that are going to appear while watching V for Vendetta are going to be much more, like Jake said, impactful. And what's a what's the question again? I want to hear the wording of the question again. Which movie is probably better on LSD? Also known as acid. Orange Sunshine, Mississippi Mud. There's yeah. Call it whatever you want, Eric. I think there would be something thematic in V for Vendetta that wouldn't wouldn't occur with Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy would be very random and 
nonsensical V for Vendetta would have themes, but they'd be terrifying, but they might be enlightening. So I think V for Vendetta. I knew he'd get there eventually. (laughs) Randy, what do you think? Which is probably better on acid V for Vendetta or Tommy boy. So a couple things, first off Uh, one uh, for the record, I've never done LSD or acid Uh, Two kids don't do drugs. Uh, But, but I've got to go on hypothetically on acid, I, I get a like brick in the wall vibe watching V for Vendetta, uh, like the video with the kids marching and getting really just like Apple computer with the lady swinging the sledgehammer, just really getting mm-hmm. dark. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think in, in uh, the, the kids would call that uh, a bad trip. Uh, a bad trip on, on acid watching uh, me for vendetta nomenclature um, on the other hand the scene where they have the what they think is the dead deer in the back of the car that comes mm-hmm. alive and like attacks them that could be <laughs> that could be pretty crazy um pretty life after i gave my answer i thought about that deer and i'm like oh that would be messed up yeah that would be a psycho which would also be a bad trip i think the bottom line is um, any acid experience is most likely going to end up as a, as a bad trip watching either one of these movies. I'm going to go with V for Vendetta because I'm a fan of Pink Floyd and I want to put the whole onus on Cameron to decide where we're going to go from this. All right. I'm going to so keep Randy, in the game. Randy's definitely keeping track. He's exactly right. It is six to six. Cameron Lehman, V for Vendetta or Tommy Boy, which is probably better on LSD. So I like the, uh, I like the way you phrase it because it's a probably thing for me. I, too, have a non-existent acid doing career. Smart. Um, <laughs> but I, I can connect the dots here um, because there was a period of time when I uh, came back to the dorm room after having a little too many drinks and I watched super troopers the entire time in French and didn't realize it. And French, you said in, in French, it had the French subtitles on and everything. And I didn't didn't realize realize it. it. I was, it was a rough night. Big night. Um, And I, and I came away from that saying, yeah, that movie sucks. And you know, I happen to watch the movie later. I don't know, you know, weeks, months later. And I thought, wow, that was hilarious. So, you know, so much that, better in English. Exactly. Exactly. So what that, where I'm going with that, follow me here is that, you know, if I'm on some kind of mind altering drug, what's up is down, what's down is up, what's left is right. So what movie am I going to like normally that I'm going to sit down and enjoy would be Tommy boy. But if I'm on acid, I think I'm going to get more out of V for vendetta. That's my answer. I loved that journey that you just took us on. Cause I had no idea where you were going to go with that answer. It, it was a twisting and turning journey, but you know, we, we got there. Yeah. It was a Christopher so, Nolan film all in its own right there. Just where's this happening? So, so for the record, do you think LSD makes everything opposite day? Is that is that 
Well, Jake thinks Randy, it's a this love is, drug. This is all so. I have to can I, go off of. Yeah. So again, having no experience with psychedelics, can I make a clarification about psychedelics? Because I have read quite a bit about them. Is it well, most of? Did you read that on an audiobook, Eric? I did. I did. <laughs> um, is that most psychedelics? When there was research being done, and then it stopped, kind of during the seventies and eighties and nineties, and then they picked it back up again. Um, <clears throat> bad trips happen when you are psychologically unstable to begin with, um, and also in a place where you're unsafe. So people who have been prepped for what they're about to do and are often accompanied by a clinical person who's there to keep them physically safe have very good experiences. They find that it helps with PTSD. They help it find, uh, they, they find it helps with cancer patients, terminal cancer patients in, in terms of dealing with what's coming. Um, so just a few more, you knew. You just hijack our movie discussion for your little pro drug oh. rant there. What was that? But it seemed like seems like a plant for big acid, Eric. You're a <laughs> yeah. big acid. Yeah, uh, by big acid. You, you can go ahead and fill it in on the bracket. V for vendetta has moved moved on for a date with the departed. But also, don't do drugs, kids, because you're not going to be in that situation. So. Okay, we've got our three seed and our six seed here. Oh. Another two movies that would have a hard time being more different. Number three, the out of nowhere comedy classic that anybody who's ever worked in a cubicle just bleeds when they see it. Office Space, Mike Judge, written and directed, and Mel Gibson's classic Braveheart. Two outstanding movies in their own right, and let's see where this goes. Eric, we're going to start with you. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, nobody here actually knows any American Sign Language. And if you did, it's forbidden in this answer. Which movie could you best describe using just hand gestures? Like, let's say maybe you're, you're trying to get your wife's attention. The kids are between. You don't want to say it. You've got a hand gesture. One of these movies. Which one can you do? And just for the heck of it, let's go ahead and see it. I think Braveheart. And I think it'd look like kind of thing. And that looks like terror heart, but I I don't know how to kind of office space it. If I had a printer nearby and I threw it off the table, but then I lose my printer. But yeah. Braveheart. All right. Braveheart. Randy Downing, which one could you best describe using hand gestures? Hand gestures alone, I'm going to have to go. It's got to be Braveheart for me. And I think it's just the freedom. I mean, you don't say it, but just the the, the mouthing and the sword in the air. I mean, you could lob the sword. There's just. And, and Christy's going to know what that means. All right. Absolutely. If, if you throw a sword across the room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I threw a sword at my wife, she would totally know that I'm talking about Braveheart. <laughs> a sword right there. There you go. Yeah. Go over to Eric's. Of course, he has a sword. Jake, what do you think? It's describe the movie or like describe the movie title. Which is best described using hand gestures? I set up a little hypothetical. You can use it or not. Whatever you want. Go for it. 
I you can add Home Alone to it if you want to, Jay. <laughs> Anytime Randy comes on, he immediately <laughs> just gets into Cameron. Um, you know, I I think Braveheart is more just by the virtue of what type of movie it is. It's more exaggerated um, with the battle scenes and what Randy, you and Eric have already shown uh, the scene where they all moon the English. That could be a hand gesture as well. So um, not a hand gesture. Well, it's a gesture. You use your hands to (laughs) do something. So I think Braveheart. Cameron Lehman, what do you think? I think a lot of people, a lot of us who have worked in an office, you know, you do the the coffee sip of the boss and he comes over and, yep, I'm going to need you to do the TPS reports. But, you know, the way that he stands and his over-exaggeration of I'm the boss and he adjusts his uh, pants a little bit and stands up a mm. little straighter, um, I think I'd have an easier time getting across office space. All right. Good answer. All right. Quick trivia. Do you know the boss's name? Lundberg. Mm. Lundberg. Yep. Lundberg. Call. Yeah. Uh, one one line comes to mind and I can't say yeah, the, you can't say the middle word. Not, <laughs> exactly. Not for the kids. <laughs> so all right, Randy, let's start with you on this one. Office space or Braveheart? Which is in the Fret House <laughs> DVD player the most? Easily got to be off of space on this. I, I will say that when I was in college, I think Braveheart was on DVD my freshman year in college, maybe. And we watched the movie probably four times. But at a frat house, um, it's got to be off of space. That's a that's a Caddyshack-esque watch a hundred times movie. All right, Eric, what do you think? Which one's in the frat house DVD player more, Office Space or Braveheart? So that's tricky because I, I, for some reason, I can't imagine a frat house or a dorm room or college folks appreciating office space, being as they probably have not been in that space before, right? They haven't worked in an office. They don't understand the cubicles and all that kind of stuff. And I know I watched Braveheart a handful of times in college. But when did Office Space come out? Was that 99? 99. 99. Really that late? 99, I, I mean, yeah. Because I know I saw it before I ever had like a job. So and appreciated it before then. So maybe I'm wrong. So I think Office Space works there really well. Oh, after all that, you're saying office space? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, that you flipped in the last three seconds of that answer. I did have to with no from warning. Pen to pencil, if we keep this up. So, <laughs> jeez, Jake, what do you think? Why should I change your name? He's the one that sucks. <laughs> I mean, everything about office space: uh, two chicks at the same time, uh, intertrode, penetrode. I mean, everything about it just it's it lends itself to frat boy behavior. Um, I know I know it's set in an office, um, but that's what an office is still. But it's kind it's, of a it's frat. a frat. Yeah. yeah. So office space. I mean, it's it, you'd have somebody in the frat. His name would be named Milton and he'd have a red stapler in his dorm. Like it, 
there's just a lot of material you can work with with office space. All right. I have a red stapler in my classroom. <laughs> it's a swing line. Of course. We have one at the office. It's nice. Cameron, Cameron, what do you think? Braveheart or office space? Which one's in the frat house DVD player more often? Yeah, I was uh, I was going to go Braveheart. And then I heard Jake's answer. Everybody in an office is the the blank guy, the whatever guy, the stapler guy, the drink too much coffee guy, the um, super cheery guy, whatever. And everybody in an office is a caricature. And I think that lends itself to a frat house as well as like everybody has that role or what he's known as or whatever in the frat house. So yes, the kids can't quite relate to an office type scenario. Um, but it's such a good movie that you don't really have to have worked in an office to really get it. So um, I'm going office space. All right. Office there, space there's also up. add one more thing. There's a lot more rap in office space than Braveheart too. So uh, frat boys love true. rap. True. Back so. in your ass with the resurrection. Yeah. Which I don't <laughs> think is actual rap, but I'll always remember it. All right, Eric, uh, our tiebreaker question. I'm going to start with you. Office space or Braveheart? For this question, you've got to imagine it's uh, it's movie night at the White House. And Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi are sitting there and they're watching a movie. Which of these movies confuses them more? Office space. <laughs> I, I Braveheart, there, there's there's maybe some big ideas, some quotes I can hang on to, but office space, they don't get any of it. Probably because they've never like worked a menial job or dealt with a printer. So the, yeah, there, there's there's a ton in there that they just they don't know what's going on, right? No, they don't get yeah. the jokes. You, why do you live in an apartment? You can hear the guy next door. None of that makes sense to him. I'm a people person. I take the plans from the engineers <laughs> and I hand it to the people. All right, Randy, Office Space or Braveheart? Which which movie would confuse Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden more? Man, Jeff, you are really making me do my best to restrain from my own political views on this. Uh, and Mitch McConnell. This and Mitch McConnell. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm walking you right up to him. I know you are. I just, you know, I, I don't understand. Uh, I don't think that uh, Pelosi and Biden would understand uh, why everyone was so outraged at uh, and, and rebelling against the, the government that they would have, uh, you know, totally felt like they, they would not have understood that at all. Like why, you know, uh, those ungrateful William, peasants, William Wallace wasn't double masked and, you know, just really going about it. <laughs> complying. I, I just, that, that would be difficult. I mean, so that, that's, that's my answer. It's Braveheart. All right, Braveheart. Cameron Lehman, what do you think? Which of these movies is going to confuse Nancy and Joe more? So Joe's fond of talking about how, you know, he's working class citizen and, you know, took the took the train for years from Delaware to D.C. to, you know, do his blue collar Congress job. Right. Um, but, yeah, there's just certain things there that he would not get um, first the, the one that speaks to me in that uh, movie the most is the traffic scene. I live 
an hour from anywhere, really. Um, I live out in the sticks and going a hundred yards and then stopping. I have done that time after time, just shaking the steering wheel. You know, you want to get off on the next exit and just scream your guts out. Joe Biden knows nothing about that. Do you listen to hardcore rap while you do that, though? You know, I used to, and it just raises my blood pressure. Now it literally is people that have lived in Phoenix know K-Bach, but it's a nice (laughs) classical music. It's either that or a podcast when I'm driving because I... It stresses me out, man. Smart move. It's years on your life. Jake, we've already got a winner, but I want to hear what you have to say about this. Which movie would confuse Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden more? Office Space or Braveheart? They fixed the glitch. When they so when Joe Biden got elected, they fixed the glitch. Donald Trump is Milton. He didn't want to leave. He didn't know. So they moved him to the basement and he fixed the glitch. Don't tell me they don't understand office space. They're just going to stop sending him paychecks, huh? And it'll it'll yeah, handle itself. Said, no, we fixed the glitch. So he's gone. And we fixed the glitch. Anyway, and whatever. Go ahead. That's fine. Your answer is anyway, whatever. No, obviously, I think they would absolutely understand the world of office space, because if office space is very similar to that of a frat, I think the members of Congress in the White House could totally be like, oh, God, here comes this guy with his dumb jump to conclusions, Matt. Like they, they would they, everybody, <laughs> they would get that. But here comes, here comes Jim Jordan. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Okay, now I want to now I want to recast office space. With members of Congress. <laughs> mm. That'll be a later episode. All right. That closes out our Ridley Scott region. We're going like to step back into the Stanley Kubrick region to Lion King, fresh off of victory over the prestige, now takes on Rain Man. If memory serves, this is a this is a Cameron Lehman pick in the draft that we got it in. So See, I do not have questions prepared for these because I did not uh, know who was going to move on. <laughs> well, let's start with this. Um, Randy, which movie would be better if Keanu Reeves was the lead? It's not a remake, but you've got your, your studio head. You've got a contract with Keanu you got to put him in something this year. These are the only two things for far enough along in production that are going to, that, that are going to satisfy the contractual obligations of Cole Creek studios. Which question is, is he Tom Cruise or he is gets he to choose? I think is, yeah. is he uh, Hoffman? Dustin Hoffman. You just, you, 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 I'd, I'd say that movie, we've got two leads much like in Lion King. I think we have two leads. I think we've got, uh, Simba and Mufasa, maybe even three if you count Jeremy Irons. So um, it's up to you. You're the studio head. I, I gotta go. I gotta go with Rain Man here. I think that uh, Keanu Reeves uh, and, and as taking the place of Dustin Hoffman would be classic. Just gotta watch Wapner. Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> other than that, a little Nick Cage in it, but I think we know where you're going. You gotta go down, Bodie. But yeah, the the Wapner and the the card counting. I just as as a as a um as a you know savant genius. Uh, 
I, I don't remember. Is, is, is Dustin Hoffman's character, is he autistic? Yes. Yeah. That's, so, yeah, I, I just think Keanu would, would do a great job with that. All right. Slide him into the Dustin Hoffman spot. Cameron, uh, which which of these movies are you going to put, put, put Keanu Reeves in as the lead? You know, when I, uh, I've gone on record as saying that Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man was the best acting I've ever seen. Um, Keanu Reeves, great guy, but I mean, he's not your great actor Academy Award winning guy. Um, maybe oh. you slide him into um, Uncle Scar there. Um you know, he's got kind of the the deep voice thing going for him. I think he can pull off the bad guy, maybe. Um, but definitely not Rain Man. I, I put him in the Lion King. Gotcha. Jacob, what do you think? Mm. If it was whatever 57-year-old Keanu, I think he would probably do well as Cameron said his scar. Um but young Keanu, <laughs> like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Keanu. I think that's more Rain Man. Um, so I'm gonna go Rain Man. In what role? Uh, as uh, Dustin Hoffman's role <laughs> as Raymond. Okay, interesting. Nobody's putting him Charlie Babbitt. Eric Hoffman, what do you think? Which I actually like him as Charlie Babbitt. I. I and I know that would be kind of a stretch because the character of Charlie Babbitt is, uh, you know, starts off as the jerk, the one you don't want to like, you know, but becomes redeemable over the course of the, the film. I can't remember too many Keanu Reeves roles that are that kind of arc for a character. Uh, but I think young Keanu Reeves as Charlie Babbitt would be interesting. And I'd be more interested in seeing that than having him in any Lion King role. Yeah. It's, it's a character with some edge to it. I mean, and I don't, I'm off the top of my head. I can't think of any Keanu Reeves movies where he plays a real problematic character with an edge to him yeah. like that. He's usually sympathetic or the hero or something like that. Yeah. And I saw that mm -hmm. rain man just a few weeks ago for the first time and just, it blew me away. I loved it. He was shuffling, uh, you know, uh, Mozart and uh, Napoleon around like, you know, he would, shuffle Raymond around so it's in Bill and Ted's so yeah, yeah no. same same totally fits right. yeah okay Jake uh, this this next question is going to go to you first just because it makes me think of you uh Lion King or Rain Man which movie would win People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive in 1988 Ooh. so who was the sexiest man alive in 88 Nick Nolte um, I'm going to guess Tom Selleck. I have a cell phone, this up? so we don't have to guess. <laughs> I think Eric's on it. I, think I had it already pulled up. Who was it? <laughs> 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 I bet you did. <laughs> Don uh, F. Kennedy is what it says. JFK Jr. Don F. Kennedy? In 88? JFK John Jr. Kennedy Jr. Sorry. Okay, JFK 25 Jr. years dead, still sexy. Yeah. Still got it, ladies. <laughs> Pulled it off, folks. <laughs> Left off the junior. My bad. So this is this is interesting. This is interesting. I I think that actually changes my answer because I was leaning Rain Man because you have Tom Cruise. That's tough to beat. Um, but 
thematically, JFK Jr. was the prince of JFK, right? Because Kennedy's White House was Camelot. So he was the prince, JTT playing Simba, the prince. Okay, who tragically died. Scar is obviously Lyndon B. Johnson. We know this. (laughs) Who had him killed. JFK Jr., Lion King, Sexiest Man Alive, 1988. Awesome. All right, Eric, which of these movies would win People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive in 1988? Um, I, I don't know. This, this question kind of stumps me. I want to lead Rain Man because it's got Tom Cruise, it's got the nice car. <clears throat> But Jake's description of Camelot and the the many royal ties within the Lion King and the Kennedys, I think that's gonna that's gonna get my vote. So Lion King. Oh, didn't see this coming. Randy Downing, which movie would win People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive in 1988? On the one hand, you have Tom Cruise. On the other hand, you have Cartoon Monkeys. So you tell me which one's going to win in a contest at what animated monkeys and cartoons. If that's your thing, then that's your thing. But I think that Tom Cruise <laughs> would be the sexiest man alive in 1988. No, on the other hand, you have yoked lions prowling all over the Savannah. That's what you got. Voiced by. I've, I've never heard that description. Jeremy Irons lions. and James friggin Earl Jones. You don't undersell the Lion King on raw magnetism because it's there Cameron, this is uh this is unusually contested what do you got here what is uh which which movie is going to win people magazine's sexiest man alive in 1988 you know i'm with randy when when you when you're thinking of sexy things you can't overthink it you know you can't overthink it and you can't oversell it it's uh humans or cartoons uh rain man all right going rain man all right. This next question is uh, a little bit nerdy, but I think you're all going to get it. Randy, we're going to start with you. Lion King or Rain Man? They're both good movies, but which movie would Kathleen Kennedy screw up worse? She's Ooh. a studio head. She's calling all the shots. We got these two in production. She's going to screw up. Marvel up. studio head? Uh, Disney. I, she was film. in charge of all the uh, all the Star Wars uh, mm. seven, eight, and nine before Favreau came in and saved it all with Mandalorian. So this so, this has Jeff close to the heart here. Yeah. So connect connect the red string here, okay? Kathleen Kennedy with Disney, or with with uh, Lucasfilm, uh, affiliate of Disney. Uh, Disney uh, screwed up The Lion King with a remake a few years ago that was just not a good live action movie. Mm. Kathleen Kennedy could have been in the room at one of those meetings or she might have just popped in and, hey, why don't we make a live action Lion King and make it really lame and boring? And uh, they went with that. So I've got to go Lion King on that. Very well thought out. Um, I didn't even make the the connection there. That's a double pointer, ladies and gentlemen. Cameron Lehman. Did it. Which movie would Kathleen Kennedy screw up worse? Lion King or Rain Man? For me, Rain Man is uh it's in the Pantheon. Um, that is on the short list. I I can 
I'd probably put that in my top five all time. And if she were to ruin that movie, that would be an absolute travesty. Lion King's great. It's it's my favorite Disney movie of all time. These are two heavy hitter movies right here. I mean, this is the clash of the Titans in the, we're not even in the sweet 16 yet. Um, but it would hey, be- I, I, I hate to interrupt. She's known for making things woke that have no business being woke. Just going to throw that in there to in mid stream of consciousness there. Yeah. I mean, she's going to ruin rain man beyond repair. I would never forgive her. So rain man. Like she put Keanu Reeves in it in the role of Dustin Hoffman. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jacob, what do you think? Which, uh, which movie would Kathleen Kennedy screw up worse? Lion King or rain man? So following the, the thread that Randy kind of started Lion King is a movie with multiple sequels and spinoff with the live action remake. And it's a, at least the first one was a blockbuster mega hit. Um, I don't know if Rain Man had that same kind of box office draw. So I don't even know if she would be interested in remaking Rain Man, uh, which makes me think, She'd be drawn to Lion King because she'd see the dollar signs and that's what she'd want to remake. And I don't think you can remake what is essentially a perfect movie. So I think she would really damage the Lion King. Eric Hoffman, we find ourselves tied six to six because of an extra point thrown in there. It's up to you. Rain Man, the Lion King. Make the right choice, Eric. Which movie would Kathleen Kennedy screw up worse? Is it a remake or is it the original that she's in charge of? Uh, Jake envisioned it as a remake. When I wrote the question, I had it down as uh, we're in. Nobody's ever heard either one of these movies. But okay. you, you take the question and run with it. I'm, I'm guessing Lion King as a animated film is fairly safe. There's There's not a whole lot you can do with it to kind of make it more appealing to more people just for the sake of trying to appeal to more people. You could make Mufasa a woman. You could rain man, however, actually treads on quite a bit of dangerous ground. A lot of assumptions are made about various people. There's a lot of uh, language that's used that, that might be offensive. I think she could take that thing and turn it into a train wreck very quickly. Rain man. It is. Yes. Rain Man in a seven to six squeaker mm. out of the Stanley Kubrick region. All right. Our second matchup in Stanley Kubrick, we have stand by me up against the number two seed, the Shawshank Redemption. Um, two movies in a similar vein. <laughs> Neither one can be considered uh, the feel good movie of the year. So um, Eric, Canadians are notoriously fickle people. Which DVD in your carry-on is more likely to cause a problem at a Canadian border crossing? Stand By Me or The Shawshank Redemption? So I'm I'm carrying a DVD into Canada? It's in your carry-on. You just brought brought a couple movies to watch. One of them is going to cause a major stink at the Canadian border. Which one is it? Fun fact, um, 
Mm. Chad was banned from going back into Canada because he had a, a script that he and Bill Koning had written. And there was a picture of him on the cover of the script wearing a bicycle helmet and he had a gun. And he was literally banned from Canada from this. So that is the uh, that's that's the heart of this question. Okay, I'm going to go with Shawshank Redemption. And here's why. You're bringing this DVD in. They see the DVD. They look at the cover. They're like, what is this? I say it's Shawshank Redemption. And they say, where does this take place? And you say a prison. And they're like, what do you mean? What's a prison? I said, well, in the United (laughs) States, we have prisons everywhere filled with people who have done a variety of crimes from the most heinous things imaginable to uh, carrying something that you shouldn't have once in a while. Uh, And they would say, you can't bring anything about prisons in here. This is a peaceful place. We don't do that here. So Shawshank Redemption. All right. Prisons puts it over the edge. Jake Ryan's. Which DVD in your carry-on is more likely to cause a problem at a Canadian border crossing? Shawshank or Stand By Me? I mean, I was leaning Shawshank anyway, but then Eric took me over the edge on that one. So Shawshank. I brought you with prison reform. That's what did it. Yeah. Randy Downing, what do you think? What what gets your nod here? First, I got to say, Jeff, uh, I'm concerned about you. Um, You keep bringing up DVDs. I'm concerned about your internet connection in Tyler, Texas. I mean, I think that uh, Coal Creek Consulting, one of the uh, leading telecommunications companies, development companies, might be able to go down and do something about it. Uh, You know, I'm I'm, I'm concerned. There's our copy. Coal Creek. So um, I... I've got to go with Shawshank as well, um, kind of piggybacking off of Eric's original idea. I don't know if Canada believes in incarceration um, for for non-COVID crimes. So I, I think that they would be uh, I think that they would be appalled that we throw people in prison for for murder. Agreed. Here, well, here. The, the the U.S. is their penal colony, so I think they just send them to us. Yeah, it's not like Andy Dufresne was trying to have a church service on a Sunday, you know, April of 2020. He was, I don't know what the big deal is. I mean, you can't throw Eric. a jail for that. Eric's a penal colony. All right, Cameron, you're up. <laughs> so what I know about Canada is pretty limited. Um, I do know that they are big on um, government sure. health care. I know that they're big on maple syrup. I know they're big on coffee. That's kind of where my knowledge ends. Um, But I will say this. Andy Dufresne is a white collar criminal, and he's the type of guy with a capacity to start his own organized crime spree. It's anti-government. It's anti-taxes. And it's dangerous. And um, and they charge for medicine. And they charge for medicine. And any of those things are very anti-Canadian. Um, all this uh, stick it to the man type thing and, and flying, flying under the radar. Canada wants to know where you are, what you're doing at all times. And Andy Dufresne is a dangerous influence. So I'm going Shawshank. We are making some wild assumptions about this country that right we now, to be right a now, I feel like state I'm to on, our northern border. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm on Fox News is the five right now. I didn't realize. I didn't, I didn't realize you were trying to get a spot on Newsmax. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Next question. Um, 
for a list, a collection of some of the greatest movies our country has to offer. Kevin Bacon is sorely underrepresented in this whole thing. So, Jake, which of these movies considered Kevin Bacon and for what role? Because you know what happened. You know, when the casting director was sitting around, they thought, we got Kevin, you know, we got him on a 48 movie deal that we're only 12 movies into. We got to start whittling away on this thing. <laughs> which, uh, which, which movie considered Kevin Bacon and for what role, Jake stand by me or Shawshank redemption. Um, I'm looking at the cast right now. Uh, I full first instinct was stand by me. Uh, Kevin Bacon, this movie came out in the eighties. I would have been writing his footloose wheelhouse. I think he would have had the look for stand by me. Um, I would think either he'd be Chris Chambers, River Phoenix's character, or he'd be Kiefer Sutherland, Ace Merrill, one of those two. And, uh, and I'm leaning Ace Merrill, Kiefer Sutherland's character. Gotcha. All right. Stand by me. Cameron Lehman, what do you think? Which movie considered Kevin Bacon and for what role? I mean, Kevin Bacon was cast in Tremors. And what is that about? But a giant alien worm chewing through, you know, burrowing under things. And yeah, the American the, Southwest. It's and it's really good somehow. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah. Um, is it trying to get away from Canada's high tax rate? Is that why? <laughs> it is. It is. It's burrowing Jeez. back under the border into the promised land. Uh-huh, is yeah, there a wall on that border or just yeah. can't <laughs> just cross in northern Minnesota? <laughs> yeah, they don't want you out. I mean, you've heard of the Berlin Wall. This is the Canadian Wall that no doubt is going up soon. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Trevor Tremors, he's got a lot of experience that he brings to the table. He knows about digging holes. I mean, maybe has has seen it done. Um, and although he's not actually digging his way out of Shawshank, he's tunneling in a way through the pipe. Um, so I think Shawshank gets my vote. Which for, uh, you're, you're going to put him in Andy Dufresne. Yeah, he's, he's Andy Dufresne. Gotcha. Rando, what do you think? <laughs> you know, I've got to go. Uh, I'm going Shawshank. I think he would be uh Captain Hadley, uh, the character that uh, Clancy Brown played, the uh, mm. uh, rooftop hang him over. I mean, I know Clancy's uh. like seven feet tall and Kevin is not, but uh, it reminds me, and I'm trying to look up the movie, uh, Jason Patrick, uh, Kevin Bacon plays the movie. It's about the kids. Uh, they come back as adults and they go, uh, he's a warrior in a juvie. Sleepers. Yeah. Kevin Bacon playing that character but uh uh hadley in in shashing good one all right eric what do you got i i had him pegged versus ace merrill Kiefer sutherland's character and then i kind of leaned into uh john cusack's character in stand by me which is uh will wheaton's older brother uh who dies you know he dies before the events of the film but he he keeps coming back but then I had a thought I was thinking Shawshank Redemption I don't like him as Andy Dufresne but I think he could make a good red Morgan Freeman's character so I'm going to go Shawshank Redemption all right um if I'm not mistaken I think that is that our first two question win I don't know anyhow 
<clears throat> Shawshank Redemption takes it over Stand By Me to set up in a future broadcast Rain Man versus Shawshank Redemption in the Stanley Kubrick region. So get down to close this out. We're back into Ridley Scott. We've got the number one seed, The Departed, up against V for Vendetta. Eric, let's just go ahead and get this out of the way with you. Um, which movie will eventually be more popular on Mars? The Departed or V for Vendetta? I mean, these questions aren't making it easy uh, to get away from V for Vendetta. I think V for Vendetta. I mean, there's there's a there's a tremendous amount of isolation on Mars, Eric. Which movie is going to be more popular? The rich crime if, drama of The Departed or the dystopian If government? I'm stuck on Mars and I'm and I'm generally there's fewer people around and I want to feel like there's people around, The Departed has a lot of characters. It's a large cast. Mark Wahlberg dropping F-bombs all over the place. I'll go Departed. Departed, wow. Did Nobody saw that coming. Randy, what do you think? So, movie uh, point, will eventually be more popular on Mars. Point of clarification, is it going to be popular with Martians or humans that colonize Mars? Because that's going to affect my answer. Well, I think they would, even the humans will be called Martians. But no, um, I was picturing... Um, all of Elon Musk's cronies out there on Mars. Okay. Yeah. So, so now like John John. Oh, if it's Elon Musk's cronies, it's all his people, then it's V for Vendetta. This is highly irregular, Eric. <laughs> Going back and changing your answer off another panel member's clarification. I don't do that <laughs> too frequently, but. Okay, you know what? You're right. This is this is what we're, we're going to allow it. We all knew you were going to take V for Vendetta anyhow, so this just puts the universe <laughs> back, back where it should be. So good. anyhow, if we're so, done, uh, if we can get on to Mister Downing here and see what he has to say. If 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 it is humans who have colonized Mars, then I think the answer is the Departed because I think they're going to look back to. Uh, they're they're going to be against dystopian realities because that's probably what led him to mars anyway um so it's it's got to be the uh the hijinks of uh the utopian monster, the society of boston yeah the simpler <laughs> days when you just shot someone in the head if you didn't like them you didn't try to control the whole population amen <laughs> all right cameron layman what do you think which movie will eventually be more popular on mars okay so mars being colonized is is down the road um things have gone really south on earth to really have a permanent space there on mars so i think that it's going to resonate with them more v for vendetta you know this just happened we are not going to allow this to happen let's you know and and you know they're not going to become violent. They're not going to be ugly. They're going to let's learn from this. Let's do better. And this is going to be a very intellectual crowd that is there in uh, in Mars. And they're going to look back on V for Vendetta, say, let's do better than that. The cautionary tale. All right. 
Camera goes V for Vendetta. Jacob Bryans, what do you think? Which movie will eventually be more popular on Mars? The Departed, uh, the or Departed. V for Vendetta? <laughs> the Departed. It's a gangster movie. And all these new colonists that are literally millions of miles away from the long arm of Johnny Law are going to be setting up all these criminal underworlds. And, you know, as they're mining the Martian spice to send back to the global corp that is Earth, it's definitely going to be the departed. They're going to identify with that a whole lot more than they are V for Vendetta. Now, if, if, now if Mars is just colonized by college, you know, juniors, then, yeah, I, I could see why V for <laughs> Vendetta would be more popular. But I'm assuming you're going to need some actual people there to do some work. Uh, and that's going to appeal to the departed. Can we all agree that the Martian colonials would love Tommy Boy better than both of them combined, though? I mean, oh, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah. right. Good. Um, Jake, we're going to start with you on this one. The Departed or V for Vendetta? Which film would best survive three sequels? I'm talking, we're getting all the way up to The Departed number four. Or V for Vendetta 4, Electric Boogaloo. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> something like that's going on here. Um, I mean, there's no question that both would be really degraded by the fourth movie. Uh, hmm. But I think V for Vendetta would start getting into Sharknado territory uh, by the third or fourth sequel. I think it would be a, an exercise in ridiculousness. Whereas The Departed, if done well, and it's done by Scorsese, and it, I'm not saying it's even as close to as good as this, but... Well, no, and, and the do, sequels almost certainly aren't done by Scorsese. Like, like the second one's James Cameron, and then the third and fourth one are some <laughs> film school students from USC or something. <laughs> um, but we do have a, a one historic... A gangster trilogy, which is the Godfather. So if, if you could not nearly as well, but even that degraded, but if you could copy that formula, you could make a, a decent departed series. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess I'm gonna go departed. I think right. before Vendetta would be too, too hard. Departed survives. Cameron Lehman, what do you think? Which of these would best survive three sequels? Yeah, I, I'm not in love with this answer, but I, I agree with Jake. Um, the Departed just has, it, it's not going to be as well done. Um, Departed has a really good twist. It's not very predictable. But I mean, there's there's movies like it. There's movies that are similar to it. Um, and not to take anything away from The Departed, but you could almost do kind of a Godfather type thing. They did... Are there three Godfathers or four Godfathers? There's three. Three. So, I mean, you can kind of use that as a template as opposed to V for Vendetta. Yeah, that would that would get out of control real quick. All right. Rando, what do you think? So, um, V for Vendetta, isn't it graphic novel Alan Moore? Yep. And yep. didn't Alan Moore also do The Watchmen? Yep. Correct. And didn't? somebody buy the rights to the Watchmen and start making crappy sequels that really pissed off Alan Moore. Probably. I think HBO did that, or didn't they? TV shows. Yeah. So I think it's gotta be V for Vendetta because someone's going to rip off his info. He's going to hate it and not support it. And 
complain about it, but they'll make a ton of money making a watered down non Alan Moore version of V for Vendetta at least three more times. Okay. So just to be clear, you think the series that survives three sequels, the best is V for Vendetta. Yeah, because I think you have to have the desire to, to do that. I mean, the Watchmen's really popular, even though the original person who created it hates the everything about it. Sure. So yeah, I, I think V for Vendetta. All right. Eric, what do you got? The HBO series Watchmen is really good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Everyone but Alan Moore thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, that's fine. He can have his opinion. Um, I don't see any sequels for V for Vendetta being anything worthwhile. Uh, but I could see a string of very good gangster movies from The Departed. Uh, I'll go Departed. All right, departed. Um, Randy, we're gonna we're gonna start with you on this one. The departed or V for Vendetta. Which movie does Vladimir Putin like better? Man, that's tough because one is like shooting your enemies in the head, and the other one is complete government control over masses of people. I think that uh Putin's going to like V for Vendetta because he's got the ability to um, control a lot more people than, than just, uh, you know, classic mobster uh, hijinks. Gotcha. Eric Hoffman? Okay, yeah, v for I, Vendetta. There's, uh, Putin does not like V for Vendetta because the message there is that government is not worthy of the control they have. And Putin loves control. Putin... He's going to love the just blasting guys in the head. He's certainly done that at least a couple of times in his life and in his career. Uh, the Departed is really going to sit well with him. The Departed. Yeah. Putin loves that. Jacob, what do you think? Which movie does Vladimir Putin like better? I, I mean, he's going to be watching it on his Huawei phone while he's he's going to be watching this on his Huawei phone while he's riding horseback shirtless. The Departed. Uh, I I think yeah. Go ahead. The, the, the Departed just once. Sorry to interrupt, Jake. Did you have more to go on there? No, that's fine. All right, Cameron. You got anything to add to this uh, discussion? Not really. I mean, it's it's the, the Departed. Clearly, I think it at his core, you know, being a KGB guy that he is, he likes to rough somebody up in, you know, in the back by the dumpster. Um, he's very blunt force trauma, not uh, controlling, calculating that kind of thing. It's departed hands down. Gotcha. All right. The departed moves on to uh, a date with the winner of office space and pulp fiction uh, by a show of hands. Has anybody on this broadcast not seen pulp fiction? Seen half. You couldn't finish it? I didn't have time. I've been very busy the past week and a half. All right. Eric so, is not going to get a vote in this one. So um, I'm still going to say my piece. Great. Just, just turn it on mute before you do that, please. Uh, let's start with Randy. Which movie should humanity send into space? Office space or Pulp Fiction? Ooh, um, man, I've got to, 
I've got to go with Pulp Fiction on that one. I just think that it's, uh, I mean, aliens would go, wow, this is not a planet that we want to really tr- trifle with. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, they're a violent people and they're not afraid to mix it up. So we're going to stay the heck away. So I think it's got to be Pulp Fiction. All right. Makes sense. Cameron Lehman, what do you think? Pulp Fiction or Office Space? Uh, we as humans are a complicated species. Um, and the story arc or kind of lack thereof in the typical sense of Pulp Fiction is going to keep those aliens on their toes. Um, not so much that we're scary, terrifying, just like, man, there's a lot going on there. I want to stay off of Earth. So I'm going with uh, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Jacob Rines, what do you think? Which of these movies should humanity send into space? Office space or Pulp Fiction? I think there's a couple reasons that I'm picking this answer. I think the first reason is what we send into space, and we're obviously assuming that some alien civilization is going to pick it up and watch it in their DVD player, which they have. Well, we'll probably send uh, a player too, and maybe a TV <laughs> and a power source. I don't know. <laughs> We're giving people um, monsters. I think office space to be far more documentarian than Pulp Fiction. If you want to get a slice of what it's like to live on Earth, or at least in late 20th century America, um, you could look at office space and go, okay, I get it. This is how humans function. And I also think having a case of the Mondays is a universal thing. And I think they would resonate with that. Uh, so that's why I'm going to go with office space over Pulp Fiction. Got Great it. answer. <laughs> All right, uh, Jake, let's start with you on this one. Well, um, I want to I answer the question, even if my points aren't being counted. <laughs> I, I think, you know, Cameron and uh, Randy went to what's going to scare aliens off the most. I think the nine to five cubicles, printers that don't work, TPS reports might do the trick if we're just trying to scare the aliens away. So I would go with office space, but I've been benched. Aliens have a Lundberg. I mean, and and aliens have had to have the meetings with the Bobs. We we all know this. There's a bureaucracy out in space. Aliens know exactly what Flair is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. uh, Jake. Office Space or Pulp Fiction? Which movie is still good in the year 2122? Hmm. That's a great question. Twenty. Uh, exactly 100 years from now, which of these movies is still good? I think you could say with, with Pulp Fiction, there's, you know, in, in another hundred years, we might have some sort of altered carbon type of world where um, that Netflix show where it's kind of dystopian, but, you know, you have these like uh, the Raven Hotel, it's kind of wild and out there. And I think Pulp Fiction could resonate with that. But then also, I still believe we're going to have some sort of office cubicle lifestyle in the future even 100 years from now i don't think that's going anywhere and i think office space again would resonate with those people 
the cubicle still exists in a hundred years. That is dystopian. If yeah, ever there was. Randy, what do you think? Which movie's still good in 21-22? So how many exact years? 21-22 is would be 100 years from now? 100 years from now, correct. Okay, so at that point, we're going to be on the 103rd wave of COVID, and we haven't really returned to the office yet. We're hoping to. It's looking <laughs> like it's going to. So I don't think anyone's going to remember what an office is at, at that point. And it's got to be Pulp Fiction. All right. Well thought out answer. Cameron Lehman, what do you think? Which movie's still good in 21, 22? The first time I watched Pulp Fiction, you know, they they do the the murder and the the car scene. And I remember just thinking, you just killed somebody. This is too deep of a conversation right now, given the, the context. But they're talking about some deep existential things in some of these rants. And they're yeah, they're out of place. Yeah, they're I, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Pulp Fiction. Great movie, but you know, it just didn't sit well with me. That said, um it, I, I think it survives a hundred years. There's there's themes in there, there's things that they discuss. It's like really mind-bending uh themes. I'm going pulp fiction. Nice. Eric, not that it matters, but what do you think? <laughs> Office space is a better indicator of what life was like. So I think that's still around 21, uh, 21, 21, right? 21, 22, 21, 21. I heard 21, 22. Roger. Uh, yeah. I'll go with office space. Okay. Um, we are, uh, we have not decided this one yet. So uh, Randy, no, Cameron, we'll start with you on this one. Office Space or Pulp Fiction? Which was better the first time you saw it? So my my first reaction is Office Space. It was just funny. Um, when I first saw it, I would have been in high school. So, you know, I know that we've said, yeah, kids can't really relate, but it, it was funny, man, in uh, the, the flair stuff. Um, if you've ever worked a menial job, you get the whole uh, flair and how stupid it is and checking the box. Um, Pulp Fiction took me, I probably saw that three times before I really appreciated it. Um, is what's the better movie overall? Pulp Fiction. Um, but when I saw it the first time, I was really entertained by Office Space. That's my answer. <clears throat> Right on. Randy, what do you think? Which was better the first time you saw it, Office Space or Pulp Fiction? So so funny story about the first time I saw Pulp Fiction. Um, at a movie theater, I think it was 16. At the time, I had just broken up with my girlfriend for like the seventh time that month. And uh, my best friend had dated the same girl since seventh grade and is still married to this girl now in his, in his mid-40s. But um, at the time, uh, I we were I was talking to these to this girl that I liked, and I got my best friend to go with me and this girl and another girl to this movie of Pulp Fiction. So we're watching the movie. It's right after the scene where just randomly that lady gets shot in the leg, and we're like, 
both of us literally laughed when, when that happened, which is still bizarre and kind of weird at the time that we did that. But all of a sudden I look over and my buddy is like climbing over the seats to get through the seat. Well, his girlfriend had come to the movie theater to, to check on him and found him with this other girl totally innocently because he's there being my wingman. <laughs> he's going over there. And then I find out that my ex-girlfriend, who was her best friend, is also there. And now she's mad at me. So now all of a sudden, 10 minutes later, we're yelling at each other in the parking lot. And, I, uh, uh, and I'm just going, hey, wait a minute. Like, we're not even together. What are you mad at me for? So long story short, I never saw the whole Pulp Fiction. I missed the gimp and all the good stuff at the end. And, you know, the, the first time I saw it. Office space was amazing, and I loved it, and that's my answer. So, but I did want to tell that story. I had no idea I, where that was going. Jake, Jake Ryan's. <laughs> I tried to land Jake Ryan's, we're nutted up four to four. Eric has not seen Pulp Fiction, so he can't answer the question as written. Uh, this all rests on your shoulders. What do you got? What was better? Which was better the first time you saw it? Office space or Pulp Fiction? So my dad was not very good about not letting me watch movies that I was not ready to watch. And Pulp Fiction was one of them. And I watched it. How old were you? Like, I don't know. When did that movie come out? 94. 12 or 13. (laughs) And it was not a movie I was ready to see. Um, and I'm not going to say it, I enjoyed it because I didn't. I was very <laughs> disturbed. There's a lot of disturbing stuff. Um, whereas when Office Space came out, that's 98, 99. I'm in high school. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Office Space. It was definitely far more appealing to me than Pulp Fiction the first time around. All right. Well, team, Office Space just took out Pulp Fiction. Wow. Check out Braveheart and Pulp Fiction. That's wow. some heavy lifting. Uh, I don't know if I'm quite ready to call it the Kaiser roll of this bracket, but uh, it's 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 moving along. Uh, that brings us to the end of our uh, all our questions for today. Randy, it was a pleasure to have you. Uh, what'd you think? Awesome. Uh, I'm I'm tired. It's it's way past my bedtime, but uh, I'm. Totally going to be happy dealing with the consequences tomorrow. This was this was fun, guys. Thanks for having a good night. All right. Well, that wraps it up. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Have a great night. Go Cole Creek. Thanks for watching, Janice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Shout out.